Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This episode is brought to you by the San Francisco Ballet. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breed. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Welcome to our final bonus episode from San Francisco Ballet's Unbound Festival. Just as with the last episode, today we will be talking to three different dancers in the company about what ultimately led them to San Francisco Ballet and about their experience with the Unbound Festival. These episodes were recorded in the first few days of the festival around April 20th. First up today, we talk with soloist Lauren Strongen. So thank you for joining us today, Lauren. We really appreciate you coming in before your before class and uh, uh, sitting down with us before your, a very long day and a very long week ahead of you. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. So let's just start at the beginning. Can you tell us how you got your start in dance? I actually, my mom took me to see the Nutcracker here in San Francisco mm-hmm. when I was three. Yeah. And she said that that was just kind of like the end for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like begged to be in right dance away. class and was dancing all around the house and I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. Did you grow up in San Francisco? I was born like near, like in Las Gatos near San Jose. Mm-hmm. And then when my when I was young, my family moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That's so great that, I mean, at, at certain points in your career, you, you haven't been in SF your whole life. Yeah. You danced elsewhere, but that it's a sort of full circle Definitely. thing going on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, your early training at the Kirov and John Cranko schools uh, have provided you with a strong classical foundation. How do you think that's affected uh, your career? I think that I was fortunate to have like the Russian base mm-hmm. early on, um, which you know gave me really strong technique. And then when I went to Stuttgart, it also I also had Russian training, but mm-hmm. we also did a lot of improv and we did a lot of contemporary work, mm-hmm. and that's really where I saw a lot of you know like I saw NDT for the first time and I just was exposed to a lot of dance that I hadn't been in the states and so I feel like it was a nice mix for me to have a contrast of training how did you decide uh, upon training in Europe why did what made you want to leave the states um I had been training at the Kirov and they when 
I graduated, they wanted, they, they had an affiliation with um, Universal Ballet in Korea, mm-hmm. and they wanted me to go there, and I didn't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I kind of started looking for, you know, where I wanted to finish my training, and I had a friend, Evan McKee, who had gone to John Cranko, and we were at Kirov together, and um, he just you know, spoke really highly of the school and I was interested in dancing in Europe and being, you know, having a different experience. So he was kind of the one that introduced me. Mm -hmm. So then you went to on to dance at Houston Ballet. How did that Mm -hmm. come about? Um, I just, I had been injured after school and moved back to the States and, um, I danced for a time in Sarasota Ballet Mm -hmm. while I was getting back in shape. And then I just was ready for the next step. And it was at the time when a lot of companies were financially not doing well. Right. And Houston had like a million, yeah, they had like so much money and they just were doing really interesting rep. And I just thought it might be a good fit for me. Right. And it ended up being really yeah. great. How did that time at Houston Ballet shape you as a dancer? Um, I think that working for Stanton was a really interesting experience. Mm-hmm. He's very demanding. And so I think that one thing that the company there is really known for is like a strong work ethic. Uh-huh. Um, the dancers just work super hard. And so that was kind of a new experience for me. Not that I was used to like lazy dancers, but sure. <laughs> just that, you know, everyone is full out and committed all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something that has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. But they also had a really great rep. You know, mm-hmm. we did a lot of Killian and we did classics and new works and, you know, Got I got to dance a lot there. Right. How is it to have Stanton here uh, for the festival <laughs> when you're used to be a dancer for him? It was really nice, actually. We we have a good relationship, yeah. um, so it's kind of it's funny to hear his voice in the other studio, and I'm kind of like, oh, I know, <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you my oh, boss? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, no, but no, it's been really nice, and it's nice to see you know other dancers kind of get to do right. Yeah. So you're married to fellow San Francisco ballet dancer Joseph Walsh, and you were dancing together in Houston Ballet, but the move here wasn't synchronized. You came one year later? Yeah. Uh, What was that time like apart, and how did that affect your dancing? Actually, it was really a positive experience. I think that at the time, it was kind of a last-minute decision for Joe to leave. He had sent his CV here and then kind of forgot about it, and at the time I was doing really well. I was dancing a lot in Houston and wasn't really ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, you know, it was like the contracts were due and he decided to come here and I was decided not to, uh, not to try right. that I wanted to stay in another year. And I think actually for both of us, it was really great. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to have the experience of just following him or moving for him. Right. I wanted it to be the right decision for me. Yeah. Um, and that year part, I think it just kind of made us really a stronger couple right. kind of solidified what we that we wanted to be together long term and um, gave me the opportunity to do some ballets there that I was really looking forward to doing so so then the next year when you did end up coming to San Francisco Ballet uh, was there were you ever anxious about you know are there gonna be contracts open and how is this gonna work out yeah I mean it's I think because it's such a great company people don't A lot of people don't leave and there's not a lot of open positions. And I think that, yeah, I was kind of unsure of what was going to happen that first year. Um, And so I I think it just, for me, was a good time. And, you know, a a 
position opened up and Helgi liked my dancing and was able to offer it to me. Great. It's really hard for couples like that because you want to move kind of as a package deal, but that's just not how it works. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you want to also be judged on your just on your own. Exactly. You know, you don't want to be a package, which I think sure. right. felt better for me too, that it was we didn't just try and show up together. And right. um, yeah. so I felt like, you know, it was... On your own merits. Oh my, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. So you debuted in the lead female role in Liam Scarlett's Frankenstein last February, uh, your first time anchoring a full length with the company. How do you prepare for a full length? And is working on a new full length like Frankenstein different from a more classical established ballet? Yeah, definitely. I think when you dance something like Giselle, there's so much material that mm-hmm. you can draw from, so many you know recordings and you know just photos and everything that you can kind of get inspiration or kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, take from and also coaching, you know, people can relate and pass on information. Mm -hmm. But for Frankenstein, it was all new to us. Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to go to London and be part of the process there and be in some rehearsals and also see the premiere. So that was really neat to see them, um, to be able to like watch from the front and how did that come about? Did you kind of do that on your own or did the company send you? Or? The company sent um, the first cast, which was Joe and Francis, mm-hmm. and it was during our layoff. So I was, Got to I went too. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So it was, it was neat. And, um, but I think I read the novel, mm-hmm. which helped. And Liam was really clear with kind of his vision for the mm-hmm. characters. And I, it just, for me, it was a role that I really was able to identify with and, yeah. Um, just felt really natural. Yeah. We, we love Liam. Yeah. He's our buddy. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's so the best. It's uh, been wonderful seeing that uh, you guys are getting to work with him so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really nice relationship with mm-hmm. the company. It's yeah, yeah. I think he's doing some. Is he doing something coming up too next? He's going to do a premiere next year. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. We were kind of wondering where he was was for this festival, but I'm sure it's all scheduling things, and so he's I'm probably. Sure. Mm-hmm. Since he's coming back right after, I'm yeah. sure it was just like, okay, well, but yeah, next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to talk to him for a while. Yeah. He's a, he's a shy one. He's like, are you sure? Coming soon. Uh, <clears throat> so the, Unba- the Unbound Festival is asking a, an immense amount from its dancers, you know, with these 12 world premieres and dividing the company up into three so that it can all work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this differ from a typical season at the San Francisco Ballet? I think the difference um, f- that I felt was that we we usually have you know our rehearsal period from July to November and we learn everything mm-hmm. and then we just you know start performing with Nutcracker and then our season January through May without a stop. Mm-hmm. So for us to have a break kind of in the you know end to mid season was kind of different because we had one program where National Ballet of Canada came down to mm-hmm. perform while we prepared for this. So we had a few weeks in the studio where we were just, it was back in rehearsal mode, mm-hmm. which is a little different. Right. Um, and we also had most of the 12, if not 12 choreographers here at the same time, right. kind of all wanting, you know, every, every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of switching back to rehearsal mode while kind of mid season and you're a little bit dead and mm-hmm. trying to like, get it back together so it took right. a bit I think for us to get back into that like okay now we have to we, we're not on stage anymore we have to work on everything again yeah. and it um, but I think it was kind of nice that we had the extra time because 
I don't know of how it would have worked otherwise. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so different that rehearsal period than performing when you're on stage all the time. It's like the different mode, you know exactly what you're doing. Like the work has already been done and then yeah. you have to switch back to like, Oh, we got to go from the ground up sort of again yeah, and exactly. like be building on things. Yeah. It's a different energy in yeah. the studios. Right. So you're dancing in Miles Thatcher's new work in a role that you share with a male dancer. Yes. So, as gender boundaries are beginning to shift in ballet, what was your experience like taking part in a work that dealt with that? It was really interesting, actually, because Miles really wanted um, Max and I to share the role. And from the beginning, he really wanted it to be this equal process of, you know, both of us, not, you know, not one of us being the creator and the other being the second cast, but kind of really sharing the process. Um, and he really wanted me to be on point. Which definitely changed a lot, right, you know. Right. Um, so it was kind of trying to find, you know, what I could give that Max would be able to do, and vice mm -hmm. versa. And we also have there's a few potadas in the piece, so it was kind of trying to see like how much I could physically lift a man, and how much he could be partnered, and right. um, and also just trying to not rely on like my feminine qualities necessarily or his masculine qualities and how to kind of meet in the middle but feel like ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was really interesting. And it was my first time working with Miles. So oh, yeah, so that yeah. was really it, he was he's just been so open and so kind of um, wanting like our input and not just like these are the steps and you have mm -hmm. to do them but kind of really wanting it to be a collaboration. Right. And I think that that kind of spirit works so well with the um, experimental quality of that work. You know, yeah. he needs your input to figure out how to make that balance, but to find a role yeah. that can work for both genders. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think Miles told us that like every step is the same, right? Each, yeah. even whoever's doing it, it's exactly the same. There's no changes. That's I so would cool. I love to see you. And we, we love the ballet. And yeah. I kept, yeah. I, it just kept taking through my head, like, okay, how, what's Lauren going to look like? In I know. Small I was thinking it too. I was um, like, oh, it's going to, be so cool to see and we're gonna miss it unfortunately and he was yeah. the first person to say that uh you know every everyone was so on board that he was like and lauren would just be like you know crouched ready to lift <laughs> and be like, is this right i can do this did you get sore from trying the lifting things yeah. yeah well especially i think that as a woman you it, it felt like what i imagine boxing to be like that right. you're doing the opposite of what your instinct is right it's like as a woman i know what i'm supposed to do in a lift but like to then try and reverse it i was like i don't understand mm -hmm. so yeah right and i mean yeah because i would think i would imagine if i were to be trying to be right. partnered yeah. that i would want to do too much right yeah and you know oh, part of being a, a woman is giving in to your partner and letting him have weight right mm -hmm. but um so for you to flip it and have to take the weight you're like what's going on yeah it's like <laughs> i have i mean even more respect for you know mm -hmm. the other side it's, it's that's like, cool yeah it was cool future, you can be like I know what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it probably will make you a wonderful coach. You'll be like, yeah, I've literally done this before, guys. <laughs> That's true. Well, thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us. We know you have to get to class, so we only had a short time with you, but we appreciate getting to thank chat you with so you. Much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next, we are joined by Principal Ulrich Berkshire, who just finished his first year with the company. So thanks for joining us today, Ulrich. We really appreciate having you in the midst of this uh, really wonderful endeavor that the San Francisco Ballet is embarking on these 12 premieres in 17 days. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But why don't we start with um, the, the beginning? You know, what, what first drew you to ballet? Mm, music, I think. Mm -hmm. My mom 
uh, took me to all kinds of dance classes. Mm -hmm. So already at three, um, at three years old, I did uh, ballroom dancing, and I just loved like the rhythm and mm -hmm. yeah. And then at six, I joined the Royal Danish Ballet School, mm -hmm. and from then on, I was just pretty much sold. It's it's a unique place to grow up, mm -hmm. uh, a theater, especially at Royal Danish because the school is integrated in the building, right? Uh, and you get to see all the opera singers and yeah, mm -hmm. the orchestra and everything. Did your parents have a background in dance, or they just were supportive or interested in the arts? It neither. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think just my sister wanted to dance, and then I kind of like trotted along. I mm -hmm. guess yeah. that's a. a very, very common. common story. Yeah, right. absolutely. So when you started um, training more professionally, doing your, you know, more focused on it, was that something you liked or was it something that kind of drew you away from it? I definitely liked it. Yeah. Did, yeah. yeah. Uh, I liked the seriousness mm -hmm. of the game or whatever you say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the older I got, the more fun I got with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So were you aware when you first started? You said you were six at the mm -hmm. Royal Danish Ballet School. Did you have any idea of its importance historically or its significance in the world? Or were you just kind of like, here you go, here's some ballet? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh -huh. uh, and my yeah, my family wouldn't tell me about it either. I think it's not until you actually either go abroad or you meet people as an adult in Denmark and they're like, wow, you're with the, the Royal Danish Theater because mm -hmm. it's a big... Um, institution in right, Denmark. It houses other arts. Yeah. Uh, um, so know. it's really well respected. Yeah, yeah. So it's not until later that I found that out. Right. Yeah, I remember, um, do you remember coming to SAB? When, yeah, yeah, of course. I remember me, uh, seeing you there and being like, oh, that's a talent. We're going to oh. see it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, what was that that you did? It was like some exchange or something you said? Well, there's always been a Danish New York City Ballet connection. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I was 14, I went to SAP for the first time for the summer program. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was actually there every summer for until my 20s, so like almost 10 years. Really? And I met Michael and a lot of other yeah. people. Yeah, That's so cool. So you obviously really enjoyed that. And what did you take away from that different kind of training? Mm, good question. I think when you travel you or if you get into a new environment, you often learn more about where you came from. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that. And it was also just an, such an eye-opener. Denmark is such a small country, and New York is such a world city. So it was so cool to meet all that energy and mm -hmm. talent. And, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I first went to Copenhagen, which a city that I love, but I realized that the country of Denmark is 5 million people, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. Manhattan is 8. Exactly. So oh my goodness. It's, a, it's a very different um, situation there. <laughs> so uh, how did you... What was your experience like uh, leading up to the getting accepted into the company? And was that always what you Royal wanted? Danish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually remember at 14, because it was such a shock at SAP, I was like, oh my God, I should just audition here and move here. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. But no, Royal Danish was when you're, I was in the school for 10 years. Right. So it was really a dream to dance there. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because there are, are there any foreigners in the school or? Uh, in the school, not really. Not really. And mm -hmm. so the, they, the company takes a lot from the school. Mm -hmm. It's not in America. It's so often that uh, people go for a finish as a finishing school. You know, come to San Francisco Ballet for a year, get mm -hmm. into the company, come to right. SAB, get a New York. You know, right. that sort of thing. Um, but for you guys, you really spent your whole life there. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that has a different sort of effect? Does it make it uh, the significance of getting accepted into the company all that more? Um, you know. Kind Special? Of, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yes, I think so. There's 
pluses and minuses mm-hmm. in that uh, with that setup uh, but it just definitely gives a huge respect for where you work and a mm-hmm. and a longing to join it and and yeah and you want to take care of it like you you really understand the product i guess right, maybe. right. um but then you also have to learn that like it's so important to travel and see other influences and get inspired and understand that the world is bigger than just that place. Right. <laughs> right. So what was your time like dancing in the company then? Um, you eventually became a major principal with the company. So what was it like rising through the ranks there? Um, it was, of course, super challenging as it, as it is being a dancer. Uh, Nikolai Hübe, who was a principal with New York City Ballet, took over as artistic director and... Uh, he kind of changed the company quite a lot mm. and initially it was to my benefit because he brought in a younger generation who was mm. included me mm-hmm. um, rep wise he really changed the company quite a lot so we would do way more like Russian classics actually and his production was still very Russian based mm-hmm. Uh, so that was new to the company and also like that wasn't what I was sort of trained to do but it was super fun but it just yeah it was just different yeah Uh, and then he would the classes would be like uh, School of American Ballet based so (laughs) it's so fun and then when when he was teaching at SAB it was always so uh, I know I felt like that was the Bourneville component but I feel like maybe he gives a little bit of he would see us and be like oh your port brows a disgusting oh, really? mess like <laughs> we need to like retain some classicism here right but then i wonder what if he uh tries to get different things out of different dancers maybe he Probably. he's trying to get uh sure. give you that offer um so you were the force behind a much lauded um born in celebration that brought the royal danish ballet dancers to the u.s um what was the idea behind that celebration and how did you get it off the ground so Maybe it kind of started at 14 in New York in a sense that understanding of what the Royal Danish Ballet meant internationally. And like, holy moly, like this is, it's really respected. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I always knew that. And there was a tr- tradition at Royal Danish to have like these smaller groups, mm-hmm. but no one was really doing it. And I was, I've always been super entrepreneurial in spirit, I guess. Uh, so then I thought like, why don't I do it with my friend Sebastian Klobork. Mm-hmm. Um so we just kind of picked up the phone and back, well, this now I'm talking the first time because we went to Jacob's Pillow in 2007 mm-hmm. and we were only like early 20s and we were wow. organizing this thing. Yeah. Um, and then the choice here in a couple of years ago, 2015, I think, was the same thing. You just you just have to put yourself out there and the choice was really interested and actually we're going back in 2019. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a, a small group of Royal Danish Ballet dancers around the, the same time when we met, and it was uh, Thomas Lund. I think yeah, was yeah. <laughs> and, and the dancers were so incredible. And to, in America, we don't get very much of the Bourneville rep. So to have you guys come over, I think that that's always what it's, it's a huge attraction to ballet lovers. So it was. It's tricky though. It's hard on the body. It's a. It's a Bourneville is. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. I mean. Right. Nikolai, he staged a few things for SAB mm-hmm. um, for the workshop, and it's so good to to um, bring your technique up to speed. But I just remember the first time we were done with a run, and it, yeah. I was just like beat red. Had right. never been so tired in my life. Right. But it's it's wonderful to dance. So, what kind of um, uh, experience did you gain um, from this different side of the arts by bringing this celebration to the U.S.? You weren't just coming as a dancer; you were 
helping to organize, right? And maybe doing dealing with the finances, kind of bringing it all together. What kind of experience was that like for you? It was amazing. Um, I really like managing projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that it can be as good as as your mind can dream right. it up and it's just like a lot of tiny it's problem solving it's just like a million little problems and then hopefully you'll get somewhere good and uh, well I was just lucky that I had a really strong product basically and foundation and like the Bornable tradition and Royal Danish Ballet. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah I loved it I loved it <laughs> so cool so when did you have a initially have your um when did you first have an inclination that you would like to dance outside of denmark did you have some guesting opportunities that sort of opened you up to that yeah i guess also back to 14 oh. new york maybe <laughs> <laughs> well it's, i've always been curious mm-hmm. and um i've danced a few places by now also los angeles ballet for a few seasons as a guest and um yeah i just feel like life is short and and you grow so much from meeting other other cultures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what, uh, in particular, about San Francisco Ballet um, attracted you? And why did you know it was the right time to leave this company that had been in your home since you were six years old? Mm, good question. Um, so I think it was time because I found myself in a position where I had a lot of, like, there's not a lot of principles at Royal Danish. Mm-hmm. Like here there's 18 or something. And in Copenhagen we were maybe uh, six, I think. Oh, wow. So that means that you also kind of have to fill out a bigger, or what, is, what do you say? Like you have to be more versatile. Mm-hmm. As a, sure. You have to be the prince and the, and the, and the, as mm-hmm. a, yeah. Where here you can be more specialized in a sense. And I'm really, really enjoying that here. That, yeah. that we're all so different. And Helgi really has an eye for different qualities in different dancers and respects right. those different qualities which is rare I think in right. the ballet world um, so maybe that maybe because I was supposed to be this top principal but weren't completely comfortable in all the parts mm-hmm. and then I thought I was also turning 32 and then it's like kind of like now or never right. situation um, yeah and then why San Francisco Ballet because it's one of the most respected in the world mm-hmm. uh, the rep the city the dancers mm-hmm. yeah go ahead go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i was just going to talk about unbound now yeah i, I mean i was well? going to say oh, okay. sort of as a segue is that yeah. even though maybe maybe you were stretched a little more thin at royal danish ballet you're still doing quite a range here we saw you in sneakers on friday in justin peck's newest ballet um so let's let's talk a little bit about the unbound festival Mm -hmm. um was that maybe a particular attraction about san francisco ballet knowing that they do so many new works with a wide range of choreographers um definitely like you can only dream and hope to be cast in what you also see yourself uh, as in (laughs) and i feel like i've been very lucky did you see yourself in sneakers well well, sure why not now you do yeah it's it's super fun Uh um but but definitely and uh, so i'm in four ballets in this festival but i was was also lucky enough to be part of benjamin milpier's new uh, ballet so i've done five new creations in this season and i don't think you get that anywhere else yeah (laughs) i feel like one or two if you're lucky right yeah Yeah. i mean we never certainly never did more than one in a year yeah that would have been wow (laughs) a lot of undertaking how does your body feel with all of that it's okay (laughs) (laughs) i do a lot of partnering so yeah 
creating partnering can be tough in the back, but it's, it's oh, cool. Oh, yeah, stuff. absolutely. you got to keep trying it over and over until mm. it's just right. <laughs> so can you tell us about the particular works that you're in and what the process was like um, at, for the Unbound Festival? So as a new dancer, it was super cool to start creating. Like that was how the season started. We created all 12 ballets. Mm -hmm. uh, and like what better way to join a company than to create your own mm -hmm. space like that? So it was wonderful. Like the first day was Arthopeda, uh, who choreographed the Bjork Ballet. And we started with like team building exercises where we set our names and like kind of stuff like that. So that was perfect for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, it was super intense though because time is money and, and they only had three weeks each. So that's a short time to get to know each other, get some steps in there and also create something that is worth watching. Mm -hmm. So was there overlap there or was it three weeks at a time for each of the four? Uh, no overlap. No overlap. So you just did 12 weeks in a row of all new yeah. ballets. Was your brain fried at the end? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also because you, you get invested in those little pieces of art and yeah. then like you have a little weekend and then you have to start a new baby, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're approaching the end of your very first season at San Francisco Ballet. What has surprised you most about life here in, with the company? I think how open they have been to yeah. me. Uh, so, so the reputation of this company is quite incredible. Mm -hmm. So therefore I was maybe also like, oh no, like what if, <laughs> yeah, like right. what if they don't see the qualities that I can bring to the table? Mm -hmm. But they've been so open, especially because I feel like I am a bit different than the typical American dancer maybe. Right. Uh, so I, I'm really f fortunate and grateful that the whole company has been so welcoming. Right. So, uh, Thinking on on that, of you not, uh, you're not an American dancer. But did you have to have an adjustment to the style, or you felt like that um, the Danish style is compatible enough with the the way of dancing uh, mm -hmm. here at San Francisco Ballet? I don't know. Maybe I'm not the. You shouldn't ask someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they say actually that if you can dance Bornholm, you can dance Balanchine because there's a lot of petit le gros. I, I agree. Yeah. I actually, if anything, I, I always thought that uh, you know. My hesitation was I never wanted to dance outside of Balanchine Company, but I was like, except I love Bourneville. It right. just feels, they feel like a very natural fit. And Balanchine loved Bourneville. And he was he was a ballet master in yeah. Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't feel too foreign, also because we have done, like the Royal Danish also does other stuff. So, right. Yeah. So you had had a, a, a varied rep. I know you've, I mean, you did a lot of Balanchine. You definitely did mm -hmm. Symphony in Three Movements. I've mm -hmm. seen yeah. bits of that. <laughs> um, well thank you so much of course. thanks for joining us we really appreciate having you of course anytime finally we sit down with soloist Julia Rowe thank you Julia for joining us you're our first interview here in San Francisco Yay! and so nice to see you again reunited after several years have passed we'll just say several <laughs> uh, since uh, we were dancing together at Oregon Ballet Theater yep <laughs> so uh, let's start uh, uh, with your training. So you began dancing at a very young age at Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, or CPYB as we call it. Uh, what first got you into dance, and can can you tell us a little bit about what makes CPYB so special? Um, well, uh, I started in ballet because I, I think I saw a performance um, that CPYB had done with the Harrisburg Symphony Orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad plays the oboe. Oh. Um, and I, I just remember being really, really enamored with, uh, with the ballerinas and the way that they moved. And I really just wanted to be up on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, 
so I guess it was a love at first sight kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was lucky enough to live in South Central Pennsylvania. Um, and Marcia Dale Weary has this school, Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, um, that has amazing training in the middle of South Central Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the core tenant of her, her training is just practice and um, the importance of basics and um, dedication and hard work. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It doesn't matter, you know, where you came from. You don't have to have this amazing pedigree. But if you work very, very hard, ballet can be part of your life. And that was really amazing for mm-hmm. me to grow up like that. I think it's so interesting that that's kind of what the school grew from those ideas and then now being from cpyb is pedigree like that is uh you know a very cpyb is one of the top schools in the nation and yet it's just in carlisle pennsylvania it's you know you have you got sab in new york and then you have san francisco (laughs) ballet in san francisco and then you have cpyb in carlisle pennsylvania Pennsylvania. but uh, i think that speaks to how special um marcia is as a teacher yeah yeah. So you then made the move to San Francisco Ballet School. Was there something in particular that drove you to come here and that interested you about the school and the company? Um, I had done summer intensives here for a few years before I decided to to make the leap to doing the year-round program. Um, and I, I always looked up to dancers like Tina LeBlanc. And, I knew you were going to name Everyone named <laughs> Tina. So, I, she's well, so beautiful. But, I mean, she's like kind of the the uh the ballerina cyb that really made it and and you're both very petite so i'm sure that's an easy teeny tiny yeah easy (laughs) idol for for you yeah so i had always looked up to her and vanessa zahorian Mm -hmm. who um, also went to cpyb and then was a principal dancer here until last year um and i you know i just really liked how different the rep was here mm-hmm. um it's not it's not like any of the companies on the east coast um we get to we get a little bit of everything and the dancers here are so versatile and i wanted i wanted to be a part of that mm. um so the first step to to kind of entering that scene was of course to come to the come school. To school yeah so after your time at the school, you didn't end up being taken into the company, but it's obviously worked out well for you in the end. But what do you think you took away from that experience and turned it into a positive? Um, we all have ideas and expectations of what's going to happen. And sometimes the best thing for me um, as an artist and as a person is not is not getting what I want. <laughs> Because it, it forced me to reevaluate why I was doing what I was doing and um, really hone in on my strengths as a dancer and my weaknesses. And I, I was fortunate enough to get hired into a company that was perfect for what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the community uh, in Portland at Oregon Ballet Theater, which is the company that I joined, um, was incredibly nurturing and close knit. And I learned so much from all of the artists there um, that I, if, if I had joined a larger company, I don't think that I would have um, been able to fine tune my artistry. Mm-hmm. 
in the same way. So in a way that prepared you for your experience that you have now. Yeah. Um, being here was a part of the company. Uh, so you obviously, OBT was a really important part of your life. Uh, the director, Christopher Stoll, promoted you to soloist. Right. Um, but then when you decided to come back to San Francisco Ballet, uh, you did, was a, I think, a very brave uh, sort of egoless thing, which is to take a, a drop down in rank. Was that when, when you decided to do that, um, were you hopeful that you would eventually work your way back or were you just thinking about the work itself? Um, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I always made it clear that my intentions being here weren't to stay in the core forever, Mm -hmm. but, um, being in the core, you can't be successful at your job if you're constantly thinking about a promotion Mm -hmm. because that's, For me, all what it's about. Really terrible motivator. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair. Um, So, yes and no. Um, There was so much to learn first coming here. Um, I don't think I had ever really uh, experienced big company culture. I hadn't done, I hadn't been a core member in two years. I hadn't, I didn't really know. I, I didn't have the versatility that SFB dancers need mm-hmm. um, just because we do so much. Um, I think it was good for me to be in the core for a few years and really understand what it's like in the trenches. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. even being in the court of ballet in San Francisco ballet is a very different um, experience from being in the court of ballet at Oregon ballet theater. Oh my gosh, yeah. So <laughs> what, can you talk a little bit about those differences? Did you kind of feel like you were jumping into the deep end uh, when you first got here? Yes. <laughs> um, we do, uh, we do full length classical ballets. You know, we did my first season, we did, Giselle and we've done Swan Lake and we've done uh, Don Q and Bayadere and um, and the dancers here have training that's very different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never realized how American my dancing was until I came here. Huh. Um, not saying that I'm not proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that I dance with an American accent, mm-hmm. but. Um, <laughs> But when you're in a corps de ballet with dancers who've trained around the world, you kind of have to let go of a little bit of, well, all of your isms, hopefully, um, in order to create the effect that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was it was a lot of letting go of ego mm-hmm. and um, trusting trusting that that would lead to a better final product because it really is just about how the ballet looks at the end. Sure. Absolutely. So we're here in the midst of San Francisco Ballet's Unbound Festival, um, a festival featuring an astonishing 12 world premieres. Uh, Which works are you in? And can you tell us a little bit about the process that it's been to work on these ballets? So I'm in three. Um, I'm in Annabelle Lopez Ochoa's Guernica, uh, Miles Thatcher's Otherness, and Edward Liang's uh, Infinite Ocean. And um, it was actually a very different process working with each, each one. Yeah. Uh, Miles is, of course, I mean, he's a coworker of mine. Right. Um, and I've been in a few of his pieces that he's done for San Francisco Ballet. Um, so 
it was kind it was nice to be able to experiment in the studio and let my guard down a little bit more in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got such a clear vision uh, for what he wants that it's easy as a dancer to kind of figure out how you can help him achieve that vision, mm-hmm. right. which is really satisfying. Um, and then with um, with Annabelle's piece, I'm actually dancing with Miles. Oh, uh, fun. <laughs> Uh, we're one of uh, two principal couples in that piece. Um, and I, it, that was the first experience I've ever had working with a female choreographer, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Um, I mean, dancing first with someone who kind of understands that side of dance mm-hmm. and movement and ballet is really great. Uh, most, someone who's, most men have never been on point. So. Right. right. <laughs> so, and and she is an incredibly strong female presence, mm-hmm. and um, so that was awesome and challenging and ongoing. We haven't opened it yet, so I'm sure that the adventures continue with that one. <laughs> um, but amazing, and I've I've learned so much from that. Um, and then Edward Liang's. I'd done pieces of his before, but I've never worked with him in the studio. And he's really incredible because he he has a concept and then he kind of lets the dancers fill in some of the details. Mm-hmm. And he's in, he was incredibly encouraging to me in the process. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he was the, his piece was the first piece that I did coming back from summer break. And, you know, everyone's super insecure and, like, we're not sure how this Unbound thing's going to work. And then we get into the studio with him and he just looked me in the eye and was just like, show me what Julia can do. Mm -hmm. And he'd have us, like, improv sections and it was terrifying and really gratifying at the same time. Uh So I'm excited to see how that up. I think that's something that the audience doesn't always consider how long you guys have been working on these pieces. It all started last summer, like you just mentioned, and there was a few weeks, right, when all the choreographers came and were working on things. Has this been ongoing throughout your entire season? No. No. Oh, so, so you just did it. Did it and dropped we, it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, way, the way that our rehearsal and performance schedule goes is generally uh, in the summer, starting in July and going through about um, October and November, we learn the choreography for the, the entire season. season. Yeah. And then we perform from December through May. So, and we started with Unbound. So, um, yeah, a lot of these pieces up until two weeks ago, we hadn't touched since July. Up until wow. two weeks ago? That's crazy. Oh two and a half, three. So you're just relying wow. on, on muscle memory and uh, hope and a prayer. Uh, there are videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very much looking forward to seeing you dance and enjoying the festival. Thank you for so joining us for joining and being us. Our, our first guest. Thanks yes. for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We have a lot more coming at you from San Francisco Ballet in the coming weeks, so stay tuned by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.